Hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm Logan Finney. Joining me this week is Kevin Richard with Idaho Education News to discuss a slate of endorsements uh, for the 2024 Idaho Legislature, even though it's still 2023 and far before the filing deadline. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Hi, Logan. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, So I have you on the show this week to talk about the Republican primary, uh, the spring Republican primary of 2024, because we were recently greeted by a slate of endorsements from the Idaho Association of Commerce and Industry, as well as the Idaho Freedom Pack, an affiliate of the Idaho Freedom Foundation. Uh, Kevin, just to give everybody a frame of reference, can you remind us who IACI and the IFF are? Sure. IACI is the Idaho Association for Commerce and Industry, and they are the preeminent business lobby at the state house. maybe one of the most powerful lobbying groups of all. Idaho Freedom PAC is a separate entity from the Idaho Freedom Foundation and Idaho Freedom Action, which is, it's more of their campaign apparatus. And, you know, there's definitely some overlap between uh, the Freedom PAC and the Freedom Foundation in terms of the membership uh, supporting the two organizations. So that that kind of gives you a, a framework of who we're talking about here. That is an important detail, though, that it's a separate legal entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is their campaign arm, and, and there's you know, definitely overlap between the, the foundation and the pack. All right. Well, let's get to some of these endorsements. Uh, I first became aware of the story when IACI, the Association of Commerce and Industry, um, actually on Twitter put out a long string of candidates all over the state that they had announced um, their support for. Yeah, they, they were all over Twitter about a week and a half ago with just a, a series of, and I, by my account, there were 34 endorsements that they made. You know, none of them, in terms of the incumbents that they endorsed and some of the uh, former legislators that they endorsed, really no surprises in the IACI slate of candidates. And really, I would say the same for the six endorsements that came out uh, a week ago from the Idaho Freedom Pact. There's nobody on either group's list that I would you know, label as a surprise. What is surprising is just Ayaki came out with so many endorsements and so early in the race. I mean, we are, Logan, we are five months away from the filing period for legislative races. We're seven months away from the legislative primaries. You know, some of us are actually busy trying to keep an eye on school board elections and uh, mayor's races and city council races. This feels like you know, the election that we were going to maybe get to sometime after November, but uh, uh, you know, you can see the positioning happening already. Sure. And you've covered the legislature far longer than I have. Is this truly extremely early or am I just green behind the ears and am not used to it? No, no, it feels really early to me too, Logan. And that's why I wrote about it is just, you know, and it really, it it sets up what we kind of expected that we were going to see this 2024 Republican primary is going to be extremely heated. We're going to have a lot of high profile races because I think we say this in primary cycles before, but I feel like this is even more the case in 2024. I think this is really a battle for uh, supremacy between the two wings of the Republican party. So I think these early endorsements uh, really set the tone for what's going to be a a pretty bloody uh, primary season. Well, let's get into a few of those individual candidates that have uh, been endorsed or become 
known that they were planning to be candidates even for for a few of them. Of course, we don't have to run through all 30 plus of Iaki's, but can you give me some of the names that stood out to you on either side? In terms of the primaries that these endorsements set up, uh, you have Jim Woodward from Sagal, uh, former state senator, endorsed by Iaki. He's running against uh, incumbent Senator Scott Herndon, who was endorsed by the Freedom Pact. This is a rematch of an extremely expensive uh Republican primary up in the panhandle. This in, this one wasn't really a surprise. Woodward had announced a couple of weeks ago that he was planning a rematch. But, you know, again, we knew this was going to be a big uh, fight as soon as Woodward announced that he was running again. Now you have the dueling endorsements. Uh, another one that is a rematch uh, in Nampa, uh, former Senator Jeff Agenbrod is going to run against uh, incumbent Senator uh, Brian Lenny, uh, first-term senator, uh, just like Herndon. This one, a little bit more of a surprise. Lenny had a little bit of fun on social media saying that Iaki actually announced Agenbrod's campaign before Agenbrod himself announced his campaign. Uh, be that as it may, uh, this was a, a an upset in 2022. I expect this is going to be a really high-profile primary in, in Nampa. Those are the two that jumped out at me uh, in terms of the the Iaki endorsements. Uh, aside from, I think, some of the incumbents where, where you can see that they're really focusing on some folks who, in our world, in the education world, are likely to face some pretty tough primaries. Uh, Julie Yamamoto, the House, the House Education Committee chair, Laurie McCann, uh, the vice chair of House Education, uh, Dave Lent, the chairman of Senate Education, all were endorsed by Iaki. And of course, education issues are always one of the biggest topics at the legislature, whichever session, whether it's a campaign year or not. How much do you think the debates over the past year of education topics like ESAs, education savings accounts, or the Idaho launch program applications for which Juice opened up last week, how much do you think those big ticket education items are influencing this? Oh, I think it's huge. I think on both sides, it's huge. I think if you're Iaki and you have been all in on the Idaho launch uh, grant program from the beginning, you would love to take out some of these incumbents who have been most uh, outspoken against launch, i.e. <laughs> Scott Herndon and Brian Lenny, among others. So I I think it's very clear where Iaki is coming from. And by the same token, I think it's very clear where uh, the Freedom Pack is coming from. They're, they're endorsing Lenny and Herndon, who were two really uh, outspoken voices on that Senate Education Committee in terms of school choice, in terms of education savings accounts. Uh, they backed the very far-reaching education savings account bill that came out of Senate Education that died on the Senate floor. You know, it's pretty clear, you know, and we've not seen the last of the Freedom Pact's endorsements. You know, I would think that on that side of the debate, uh, from that wing of the Republican Party, You've got folks who would love to uh, to defeat Julie Amamoto or Lori McCann, who are skeptical about school choice and have been very clear, very clear during the 23 session that they were not very uh, sold on the idea of moving public money into private education scholarships or private uh, education support. So, yeah, I think education issues are not just a, a surrogate in this this whole power struggle. I think they're central to the power struggle. 
Sure. Important to note that Lenny was one of the co-sponsors of that first ESA bill that didn't make it through the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, Ayaki has also endorsed someone who is looking to challenge Senator Tammy Nichols of Middleton, who was the other co-sponsor of that yes. bill. Yeah. Um, yeah, it it definitely seems like the education issues, like you say, are are pretty central. And, and to give you a sense, what you we were talking about before, about how early this seems to be happening, you mentioned the Tammy Nichols uh, challenge that is that is starting already. Uh, Lori Bishop is uh, the candidate who is running against uh, Tammy Nichols. I was struck, and I haven't gone through all the Sunshine Reports for the legislative races. It's It really is too early to do that. I'm, I'm reading Sunshine Reports about school board races. Lori Bishop, who is running against against Tammy Nichols, she already has $30,000 for a legislative primary, and that's a lot of money really early. Now, the big caveat is 25000 of those 30000 are... Uh, from the candidate herself. I, I think it's a loan that she uh, made to the campaign. Be that as it may, that still shows you that this is going to be a an expensive and high-profile primary in that, in that stretch of Canyon County. Certainly. And that's after the past Woodward versus Herndon race was one of the most, if not the most expensive. I believe they were both at or above that $100,000 mark, which was almost unheard of for a legislative primary. I think we may see, uh, you know, that number matched or maybe even exceeded in some of these uh, legislative primaries. It's going to be a a wild um, seven months uh, between now and the primary. And there was one more set of names that I that caught my eye. Um, The Freedom Pack has endorsed Christy Zitto from Hammett in Elmore County, who um, was previously in the House and served one term in the Senate. Uh, and apparently she's going to be running against Senator Jeff Schroeder of Mountain Home, who's another one of those more moderate. Um, he's really involved in like city zoning ordinances and whatnot. Um, and Zitto, when she was in the Senate for that one term, she was something of a lone voice who would speak out against the caucus leadership. And, you know, there are a couple of examples we could point back to. But after she decided not to run again, um, kind of her wing, the, the what's become the Freedom Caucus, has more membership than than when she was there as kind of that lone dissenting voice in the Republican caucus. Yeah, definitely. I, and I think that you hit the nail on the head, not only has that Senate changed, but I think um, you have the Freedom Pack and uh, folks aligned with or sympathetic to that uh, view, feeling like, you know, Schroeder is the kind of senator that they want to uh, to primary and defeat in a primary because they would they would love to get another uh, you know, hard hardliner within the Senate. So that's one to watch. Um, again, a lot of history there between you know a former legislator and a sitting legislator. And as we've referenced a few times now, this is super early in the process. Um, the Candidates can't even actually begin to file their paperwork until early March. Isn't that right? Yeah, and that's what makes these uh, endorsements so interesting. I mean, in theory, you know, who knows who winds up filing in that two-week period in early March? I mean, you know, pretty clear based on these endorsements that you know these candidates are going to file, but you don't know who else is going to file. You know, you know, is there going to be a third candidate or a fourth candidate uh, in any of these primaries that could? you know, potentially, you know, tip the balance in terms of, uh, you know, who wins. You know, these may not be head-to-heads is what I'm trying to say is, you know, we may have uh, 
you know, three person primary that changes the the whole the whole calculus uh, of that race. Sure, a lot can happen between now and spring, especially with the whole legislative session in between. Yeah, and I think it's very clear how this legislative session is going to help um, you know provide framework for these primaries because school choice, education, savings account issues are certainly going to come back in 2024. And I think you're going to have a lot of discussion about what's happening right now with Idaho Launch. How is it working? You know, we're not going to know what's really happening in terms of you know, students going into these training programs. Uh, you know, we won't be able to see if it's really helping young adults find jobs in these in-demand careers, but we will have a sense by January of how many students are applying for the program and uh, what kind of interest is there in this money. And, you know, know, I I think that's going to be an early metric that I'm sure legislators on both sides of the debate are going to watch very closely. Absolutely. Well, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, there are like you said, local city and school board races uh, coming up in November. Are there any particular ballot issues you have your eye on for the fall? You know, I think I think there are several school board races, several school districts that are, are looking to be, you know, that I'm going to keep my eye on between now and uh, and November. West Bonner, obviously. You've got three uh, school board races up there. Um, the, three, the three trustees who were not recalled are all on the ballot and they're all facing opposition. So that was, that's one we'll watch very closely. Coeur d'Alene, uh, school board politics are very, uh, you know, very high profile in in Kootenai County. Uh, Kootenai County Republican Central Committee has already weighed in with an endorsement or endorsements in that race, as well as others in, in Kootenai County. So we'll keep an eye on the panhandle. West Data. I think is going to be a really interesting uh, school board election. Uh, I believe one of the candidates has already loaned himself $50,000 to run a school board election. And that is an unheard of amount of money. So that's going to be one to watch. CUNA, there's quite a bit of money in CUNA in, in those school board races. Uh, Caldwell, an interesting one. Um, Nicole Trakel, who is the uh, the wife of uh, State Senator Chris Trakel, who has, um, you know, ha- has a history of, uh, you know, criticizing the Caldwell School Board. Nicole Trakel is running against uh, an incumbent, uh, Travis Manning, in, in that uh, in that school district. So a lot of races to watch for between uh, now and November at the school board level. And, you know, again, these are like, they're nonpartisan races, but sometimes they're nonpartisan races in in name only. Certainly. It, it kind of by virtue of being nonpartisan races is you don't get these primary matchups like we see for other sorts of elected offices. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what's interesting, too, is, you know, to what extent will uh, these school board races, uh, what what kind of voter interest will there be? What sort of uh, you know, attention will these races get? I'm thinking about like the West Ada school board races. You do have a mayor's race in Meridian that's, uh, uh, you know, that's attracting some interest. Will voters pay much attention or as much attention to the West Ada school board races that are a little bit down the ticket? So, you know, that remains to be seen. But I just have a feeling, just based on what we've seen from past election cycles and certainly what we saw in August with the recall elections in West Bonner, I think voters are paying more attention to school board races in general. So some of these more expensive, some of these more high profile school board races, I think, you know, I, I think we'll see some pretty... Uh, high turnout and some pretty high voter interest. 
Certainly. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see what the turnout is, especially in West Bonner, where that recall election reached something like 66, 67 percent turnout. turnout for a recall election in late August. I mean, that's an insane. I mean, it's great for the process. I mean, when you get that kind of interest in an election, that that speaks well to the process. But that is a that was a mind blowing number. So what happens in November in West Bonner? Probably pretty high turnout. I mean, you know, these folks are. You know, they're aware of school board politics in that part of the state, uh, you know, so I, I would expect high turnout there. 63%. Yeah, crazy. And even even the county clerk up there told me it's virtually unheard of. No, it's it, it's it was that number just, you know, jumped off the page for me. Are there any um, funding measures, bonds and levies, anything like that that you're keeping an eye on? Of course, the legislature in their big property tax bill uh, in the last session directed a bunch of money towards schools, but it might be too early to see if that's had an effect yet. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the one I'm going to watch most closely is a uh, bond issue in Pocatello. And this is all kind of driven by the fire at Highland High School this spring. Uh, bond issue to try to uh, to replace or repair, uh, renovate the schools in, in Pocatello. That's the one I'll be watching most closely. All right. Well, I'm sure we will have you back on the show later in November to talk about how all these school board politics shake out. Kevin Richard with Idaho Education News. Thanks for joining us this week. No, anytime, Logan. Thanks. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. Just search for Dialogue with Marsha Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, and remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.